The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. All right, so you're stuck with me tonight. And uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go real long because I, I want to get over there and I want to honor our seniors. But I, we got we to gotta have some imagination. Is that okay? A little pretend time tonight. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to have put your imagination caps on. And uh, I've got this... Uh, I've got this rope, okay, and this rope, it goes on and on and on and on. Now, don't get knotted up on me now. All right, so we got this rope, and, uh, and, and, and let's just say, I know it doesn't, okay, obviously this rope has an end, but let's just say for a minute that this rope goes out the door, goes out the exit, and it's a really, really long rope, so it goes out the exit, and then it, uh, it goes out Westgate, Boulevard, goes down Westgate, turns right at the light, goes all the way down Westgate, turns right, goes down 290, gets on the on-ramp to 290, it's a really long rope, and it goes on to I-35, goes I-35 north, starts heading up towards downtown, really long rope, so it's going through Waco, uh, through the Metroplex, through Oklahoma, all the way to Duluth, Minnesota, okay, which is where I, somebody from Duluth, okay, and that's where I-35 stops. Um, and, and then it crosses over the Canadian border, and we go to the Great White North, and so we're now in the, in the beautiful country of Canada, and we're going, keep, the rope just keeps going, and it just keeps moving, and it just, it, it's going up north, and then it goes all the way to the North Pole, circles around the top of the globe, and it just keeps going. It just keeps rolling, and it goes down through Asia, and if you know your geography, it comes back around towards Antarctica, and now we're back on this side of the globe, so we're in South America, and we're in Brazil, and, and Bolivia, and we go through Central America, and now we get back to, to Texas, to Laredo, Texas, where I-35 starts again, and we're coming back through towards Austin. It's a really long rope, and it just goes on and on and on, and let's just say it circles the globe like 78 times, and then at some point, it just kind of leaves the earth, and it goes up into our stratosphere, into our hemisphere, and then it shoots just right past the moon, it goes past all of the planets in our solar system, goes out of our galaxy, out of the Milky Way galaxy, goes past the hundreds of billions of other galaxies in our known universe, and the biggest, baddest, strongest telescope that Hubble has can't even see the end of this rope, because it has no end, it's a really long rope. So just imagine that this rope is never ending. And now for a minute, imagine that this rope is representative of your life. Because that's what happens. And it makes our our brains kind of hurt a little bit because you start thinking about there's a starting point. There's a conception point of our life. And from that moment on, you're going to exist forever. Like forever, forever. You say, well, not forever. Well, yes, somewhere you'll exist. The Bible says there's two places after we leave this place that you're going to go. And, and for like a hundred billion years from now, you're going to exist. That's crazy to think about. So this rope represents our life, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on and on forever. And that is you. And now just picture for a moment that this little yellow piece of tape is your life on this earth. James says that our life on earth is a vapor that dissipates in moments. Paul actually says our life is like a contract. It has a start date. And an end date, it's almost like it's coming. Like our our contracts are expiring sooner than we'd like them to. And whether it's 78 years, give or take, that's the average. But you think about the line called our lives. And this piece called the afterlife. And here's what I'd love to get us to do tonight and to focus on tonight. Is to start living for the longer piece. 
to really start living today, not for this piece, but for this piece that goes on and on and on into outer space to as far as the eye can see. So now I want to share with you something that you're going to need one day. The Bible talks a lot about this day that's going to happen. And, and it says the word day a lot in Scripture, but sometimes it's capitalized. It's a capital D day, and it's talking about the day. What day, Read Well, it's talking about the day that we're going to stand face to face with God. And we're going to have to give an account for our lives. And, and Jesus is coming again, everybody. It's happening. And uh, the Christian faith believes what we call the second coming of Christ. See, Jesus came to this earth, but then he left, but he said, I'm coming back. And when he comes back, he, he left from the Mount of Olives. He's going to return right back to that place. And here's the theology you need to know in about 10 seconds. Is that when that moment happens, everything that you did with church and with Christianity and with Jesus and all of that stuff kind of ends at that moment. And the decisions you made about Christ at that moment, it's kind of too late. So when Jesus comes back, it's, it's, that's kind of whatever decisions you made about Jesus at that point that's your decision. After that, it's, it's, it's too late. And I'll just be honest with you, it could happen any day. It could happen today. It, it could literally happen any day. Do you realize we're the very first generation, the very first generation, that all of the signs of the second coming have come to fulfillment? We're the first generation. And mostly, if I could be honest with you, it's because of, of satellite technology. Like just it's satellites, honestly. That's, that's why there's about 40 or 50 signs of the second coming of Christ. And we're the very first generation because we don't have any geographical borders. You know this. Jesus said in Matthew 25, he said, And this gospel will be preached as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We can never do that until right now. And we can do that right now because of technology and satellites and so forth. So this is the first very first generation that we've seen all of these signs come to fulfillment. So it could happen any day. It could happen tonight. And I'm not trying to freak you out. I'm just trying to be honest with you. That this is going to happen. And, and when Jesus returns, uh, that capital D day, you need to be prepared for that. And part of my role as a pastor, not just to preach, but to prepare. So we can do a little preparation tonight. Is that okay? A little preparation for the capital D day. All right. Let me show you this incredible text. This is Paul out of Romans chapter 14. This is so rich. But there's going to be a couple of questions on that day. We're face to face with Christ. It says, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all, everybody say all. All, all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. I love that. Everybody will bow. Everybody. It's going to be a sweet day. It's actually going to be a bittersweet day because there's going to be people that are very broken in that moment that are atheists or agnostics or, or they're, they've, uh, you know, uh, cursed Christ or they've uh, blasphemed his name. And they're going to, in that moment, have to bow down and say, you're Lord. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. And look at verse 12. This is so good. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So in essence, it's saying you're going to stand before God, and you're going to have to give an account of yourself to God. And he's going to ask you in that moment some questions, and, and what are the right answers to those questions? 
That's what we're going to talk about tonight. What are the questions that are going to be asked, and what are the answers to the questions? So this is, this is going to be good. This is going to be fun. When I was in college, I, I went to uh, the University of Texas, and I wanted to be a sports center anchor, so I went to broadcast journalism school, and I'm thankful I'm not at ESPN now because I would have gotten laid off two weeks ago. But um, <laughs> if you don't get that, that's okay. Uh, so anyway, um, I went to broadcast journalism, and, and, and uh, that was my degree plan, and part of the plan I had to take a, is science any science, and so I chose chemistry for non-majors. That sounded easy enough for me. I was like, chemistry, I like chemistry, I like physics. I did pretty well in school with science, and so I thought I can do chem- chemistry for non-majors. That sounds really easy, right? It's not chemistry for chemistry majors. It's chemistry for non-majors. So I signed up for chemistry for non-majors, and our professor, he comes in day one, the very first class. He doesn't say, hey, welcome to the University of Texas at Austin. He doesn't say, hey, thanks for being a part of our class. This is how he begins his class. He says, the C60 carbon atom, and then he says a bunch of stuff I don't remember. But I remember thinking, what are you talking about? Like he just, I felt like I just got in mid-semester. And I'm literally looking around the class going, does anybody know what language he's speaking? He was just speaking about C60 carbon atoms. I know carbon is an element. I don't know what C60, I don't know why we're putting numbers in front of carbon. I was very confused. And so I'm looking around and everybody's like writing notes profusely. So I'm like, well, I'm going to write notes. So I just start writing notes profusely. And I get home, I need a Rosetta Stone to decipher my own notes. I'm like, I, this makes no sense to me. I don't understand what this is talking about. So the next day I had a plan. I said, I'm going to bring my tape recorder. So I tape recorded the whole mess. And so like, I'm, I'm taking notes of his, of his seminar. And then, and then I'm, I got the tape recorder. So I went back and I transcribed everything. I still, I don't, it makes no sense. I can't, what is a C60 carbon atom? I don't know. This was before Google was popular. So I don't know, maybe Google wasn't even in existence. Anyway, uh, it was a problem. And so I was about to drop the class because I'm like, I, I, can't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand. I can't be tested on something I don't understand. And then somebody told me this tip. They said that if you'll go the night before the three big exams that make up your grade, the teacher's assistants have this little optional uh, tutorial where they say, hey, let me put what he said into English, and they might help you out with some test questions. Sounded good to me. So I go to this, this, <laughs> this thing. It was like 7 o'clock, not before the, not before the test. And, and the TA, it's just college students who were upper-level college students. And they said, okay, tomorrow on the test, here's question number one. And they start reading the question. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So they write it all down. They said, here's the answer to the question. Oh, this is even better. And I'm just writing it down. Question number two. <laughs> so I'm just, I was so excited. They told you the whole test. So I literally went into the class the next day and I aced it. I got a 100. Don't clap for that. It was easy. <laughs> I just memorized that piece of paper. So I did that three times. I made a 100 in the class and I called my mother afterwards and said, Mom, I went to that class two times. She goes, Read. I said, I made a 100. And she was like, Good. <laughs> I didn't tell her until after I made the 100 that I didn't ever go to class. I didn't understand the class. All I needed to know what was on the test. That was, that was good for me. So here's, here's what I'm going to do. I want to give you the questions. When you're in face-to-face with Jesus, you're going to have some questions, and I'm going to give you the answers. So this is going to be really good. Just think of me as your teacher's assistant, okay? That's what I'm going to do. It reminds me of a, of a story of, uh, of, of, of Brandon and Bradley. No relation to our pastors, Brandon and Bradley, but Brandon and Bradley, Bradley were applying for a job, and the company said, uh, well, you know, we only have one position, you both seem qualified, so I tell you what, let's give you this exam, this entrance exam, you both take it, whoever scores higher gets the job. 
They both thought that was fair. So Brandon and Bradley took the test. And the owner of the company came back to them and he said, hey guys, uh, you, you scored the exact same. You both got the same number of questions, right? And so we're going to give the job to Bradley. And Brandon was really confused. He's like, well, I thought you said that whoever got the most questions right got the job and we got the same number right. Why does Brad get the job? And the owner of the company said, well, on number 17, Bradley put, I don't know. And Brandon, you put, me neither. So... We're going to give that job to him, okay? <laughs> so I'm going to tell you the questions. I'm going to tell you the answers. That's how we're going to do this. The first part of this, this account with God is called the Great White Throne Judgment. The Great White Throne Judgment. You can read about it in Revelation. But basically, there's these books that are going to be open. There's the Lamb's Book of Life. And, and the Bible says that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, your name is recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. And it goes on to say that if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you get entrance into heaven. And if your name is not recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, then you've you got to pay for your own sins. Let, let me just say this too, that hell, hell is not a place that God sends people he's mad at. Hell is a place for people who decided to pay for their own sins. That's what hell is. Listen, sin, we all sin. Everybody in the room sins. Even if it's just one sin, we blow it. And we fall short of the perfect goal of God. He is holy. He is set apart. And because we sin, there's a problem. Because sin separates us. It causes a chasm between us and God. God is sinless and we are sinful, so thus we are ungodly. And, and all of us sin. That's Romans 3. But here's the thing about Romans 6. It says that the wages of sin or the penalty of sin is death. That's what we get for sin. We, we, we deserve death. Like if you get a speeding ticket on I-35, you're going to have a penalty of about $200 that you're going to owe to the state. The penalty for sin is death. Somebody's got to pay that. And so God says, I love you so much that I'm not going to give you what your sins deserve, but I'm going to give my son Jesus what your sins deserve instead. And so I'm going to take him, I'm going to bring him to earth. And he's going to live a sinless life. And it's not because he wasn't tempted. Hebrews says he was tempted in every way we are tempted. He just kept yielding his life to be the will of God for his life. And then at the end of his life, he says, I'm going to give up that life for you and for you and for you and for you and for me for the sins of the whole world. And if you put your faith in him and you have a relationship with him and you give your life to him, then he says, then, then you'll stand before God and your sins are taken. Your sins are accounted for. See, sins have to be paid for. And so the question is, are you going to pay for your sins, or are you going to let Jesus pay for your sins? Are you going to pay for your sins, or are you going to let Jesus pay for it? So here's how the account with God's going to go. It's something like this. Not exactly these words, but something like this. He's going to say, you sinned. And the wages of sin is death. So something has to die. That penalty has to be paid. Now, I love you. This is God speaking. I love you so much. I sent my son to die for your sins. And in fact, I love you so much. I sent him at a time in human history <laughs> that it was probably, capital punishment was probably at an absolute worst. I made him die the worst death for you. So he died for your sins. What did you do with that information? So that's going to be something about when that account with God happens. Something like that. You sinned. Jesus paid for your sins. What did you do with that? 
And I'm going to give you some of the answers that are wrong. Okay, it's good to know some of the wrong answers as well as to know the right answers. Some of the wrong answers are, well, I went to Christian Life Austin. That's great. We're glad that you're here. It's just the wrong answer to that question. Some of you say, well, I, I, had, I had a book that I read a lot about him. Well, occasionally. Great. Wrong answer. Not what he's looking for. Here's another one. This is a wrong answer. This might shock you. A wrong answer is, I believed in him. It's not the right answer. You know, the Bible says that the devil believes in Jesus. And last time I checked, he's not going to heaven. <laughs> That's what the back of the book says. So it's not just about a belief system either. That's why I'm trying to help you out. Because some, some of you, that might have been your answer. You said, well, I, I believe in you. And he goes, that's, that's not the answer. There's something more to that. The, the correct answer, the right answer. I'm going to show you this in the scripture in just a moment. But the correct answer is something along the lines of, I loved him. I had a relationship with Jesus. He was a friend of mine. I, I gave my life. I surrendered my life for him. Something along those lines. It's, it's more than a belief system. It's, in fact, the Bible, the best way the Bible can, can explain it to us, it's like a relationship between a husband and a wife. It's that kind of a, a like, like I, I said to all the other women, I'm not dating you to surrender my life to my wife, J.C. And that's kind of what he's saying. Here's, you're saying no to all of the world to say, I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. He said, that's, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about is this relationship with Jesus, and, and I want to show you, this is a huge turning point in my own faith when I discovered this verse. So I grew up, I grew up in a church, and, and um, I'd heard that. In fact, that's a Bible verse, Acts 16, 31, taken out of context. says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. So I thought, if I just believe in him, then I'll be saved. And at nine, that sounded like a pretty good deal, because I didn't want to go to hell. Because fire's hot, right? It was, I'm not dumb, so I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to go to hell. Yes, I'll take some of Jesus, right? I'm just, I, was, I was in. So at nine, I just kind of believed in Jesus. And then at 16, I experienced a church like this one for the very first time. And I saw this, this live, fun, amazing, exuberant, exhilarating worship. And people getting into worship. And I thought, man, this is cool. And they're passionately pursuing Jesus. And it was just, it was something I never experienced. Concurrently, I'm reading my Bible and I, and I come across this passage of Matthew 7. And this is not Matthew's words or Reed's words. These are Jesus' words in red. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. I'll throw it on the screen for you. But Jesus says this. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now that confused me. Because that was kind of my plan. <laughs> I was going to get there and go, Lord. <laughs> Remember me? Nine years old. Woo. Right? That was kind of, that was what I was going on. But he says, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to say, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now that verse scared me, man. As a 16-year-old young man, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? That's the last thing. I want my, my Savior to say, well, done, my good and faithful servant, not away from me, you evildoer. I never knew you. So you understand here, it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. If, if the people who don't go to heaven, he didn't know them, then you can make the opposite true, that if you do know him, you will get access into heaven. It's, it's about knowing him. In fact, the, the root word, the Greek word for know or knew is gnosko which literally means intimacy or closeness. Again, the best example is like 
the, the bridegroom relationship. I'm so in love with you. Like, I choose you and only you, and I forsake all others for you. And that's what Jesus wants from us. He wants us to be all in for him. So part of my job as a pastor of this gospel is to make sure we understand that, because I didn't for the longest time. Half my childhood, I, I was misinformed. Now, if you're like me, you probably think that coming to church counts for something. You're like, well, I'm here. Don't I get like a check mark or something? Listen, we're glad you're here. And it is important. We're going to talk about that in a second. But the difference is, it, it, this isn't what gets you into heaven. But this is what we do because we're going to heaven. So we just come to church because we're just excited about what Jesus has done. Yeah, we can, yeah. And, and, and we're just, we're pumped about it. And we just want to praise you. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation in our lives. It's a big difference. We're not saved by our works. You gotta get that. We're not saved by our works. We're not saved by our works. We're not. I, I I can't give my way into heaven. I can't. I, I can't. I can't tithe my way into heaven. I can't serve my way into heaven. I can't read the Bible enough my way into heaven. I can't uh, dunk myself in that baptism tank enough times my way into heaven. I can't. There's nothing I can do. And in fact, Paul would say it this way in Ephesians two, verses eight and nine. It is by grace you're saved. Through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it's the free gift of God, it's not by works. So no one can boast. You can't say, well, I earned this, or I was a good enough person, or I went to church a lot, I read the Bible a lot, I prayed often. Those are all great things, and they have to do with the relationship, but at the end of the day, it's all about the relationship. It's about knowing Jesus. So I want, to, I want you to get that question right when you're asked that. that that's, a, that's a pretty, on that capital D day, say, no works. It's not about works, it's not about anything you do. It's about what Jesus has done, and uh, that's a pretty big deal. But before we talk, now there's a second question, okay? There's, it's a two-question account with God. But before we get to that, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Just make sure there's something not just externally going on, but internally. Say, Jesus, do I know you? I don't want to just know about you. I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to leverage my life for you. Because you're worth it. That's question number one. Listen, is this okay? I love you, okay? And, and, and some of you, you're like, you don't love me. I do. I don't know you, but I love you. And I want you to go to this party called heaven. If that's part of my role as a pastor, just I want to inform you. This, that's, that's the question. That's the question you're going to get. And the answer is not any of these works things, but I knew you. I love you. I gave my life to serve you. Now, if you get the first question right, there's a second question. If you don't get the first question right, there's never a second question coming. But there is a second question if you get the first question right. The second question, if you want the theological side of it, it is uh, it's the judgment seat of Christ, or what we call the Bema seat. And this is going to happen for all of us as well, okay? Because it's, it's a different judgment. To get the first question right, it's all about what Jesus did for you. And the second question is more about what you did for Jesus. Now, I don't want to confuse the two. The first question, it all ends with the first question. You've got to get the first question right. I gave my life to Jesus. I love Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. I, I'm, I'm on team Jesus. We have a relationship. But then, once you get that question right, there's another question. And that has to do with what you did. Because I know some of you are sitting there going, well, if it's all about not what I did, then why is this book full of ways to live my life and what I'm supposed to do and not do? Why is there so much of that in here if it's not important? It is important. It's part of the second question. So on the judgment seat, God will say, now you're in heaven. Not because of what you did, but what Jesus did. But now that you're in heaven, everything you did on earth is going to matter. 
It's going to count. Because there's a moment coming, this is part of the judgment seat of Christ, that he's going to reward you. The reward of Christ is coming. You say, I don't want a reward. Too bad. Get over it. He wants to reward his kids. He's excited about rewarding his kids. And he's going to say, Reed, I love you. Do you realize that I put you in the United States of America? That's your latitude and longitude. You could have been anywhere. I put you there. I put you there in 2017. You had technology at your fingertips. You could access the entire planet from a phone. I gave you a beautiful wife, two amazing kids. I gave you a truck that ran for years. I gave you a home, an incredible position at Christian Life Austin, stunning good looks. <laughs> gave you all this stuff. What did you do with that? What did you do with what I gave you? That's kind of the second question. So the first question is, what did you do with Jesus? And the second question is, what did you do with all I gave you? And in that moment, I hope that we can say, well, I gave it back to you. I leveraged my life for you. Jesus wants to reward you. I want to show you this in Scripture. This is Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. By the way, the, the whole Bible ends nine verses later. So this is one of the last things he says to his kids. He goes, hey, by the way, I'm coming soon, exclamation point. Get ready. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought it wasn't what we did. No, we're not saved by what we do. We're saved by Jesus Christ. But the reward is based on what we do. Here's another verse. This is 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's that, that's that same thought there. So that each of us may receive what is due do us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So again, it's talking about things that we do in the body. But we just read out of Ephesians and other places where we're not, it's not by works, so no one can boast. So I don't want you to confuse the two. Everybody getting this? We're on the same page here? So, so the first question is, I'm saved because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. I put a relationship, my, my life, I give it to him. This second one is a different question. He says, this question is about, I want to reward you. I want to bless you because you're my kid. And so this is about what you did with what I gave you. Here's one more verse. This is um, Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. And it's going to be awesome. I, I, I don't feel like, this is just maybe my personal theology, I don't think we're going to be sitting around seeing other people getting rewarded and going, Oh, I didn't get what they got. I think it's going to be like the celebratory thing. We're going to go, oh, that's awesome. Look what he did for Jesus' name and Jesus' fame. That's all. Look what she did. Oh, she's getting blessed. woo I think it's going to be like a celebratory, awesome, championing moment when he pours that reward out on us. So the answer to the question is, what did you do with your life? And, and here's the mistake. If you live your life with the illusion that this is it, and you leverage all of your effort and your energy and your resources and your time and your talent and your treasures into this, then this is not going to be very rewarding at all. But if we'll begin to leverage our yellow part for the longer piece, and we'll start changing the way we even view things, we just start going, okay, I, I want to live my life for this. Not this. This is a vapor dissipates in moments. This is forever. So I want to leverage the yellow part for the longer piece. 
And so you start, it just changes your mindset. You're like, I've got this car. And it gets me to and from work, and I'm appreciative of that. But what else could I do with my car that would bring glory to God? That would advance his kingdom. And you just start, you start thinking a different way. I'm going to start by taking every part of my life and leveraging it for the longer piece. So I'm going to give you three ways, real quick, three ways that we can leverage our lives and we'll dismiss and go celebrate some seniors. Here's three ways that we might can leverage our lives for the longer piece. Number one is just to serve. Just serve. Now, some of you, yeah. I love the people that are clapping. Y'all serve. Listen, um, you got you to get involved. You just got to start serving. Some of you, if you're new here, we're glad. Just, keep, just enjoy it. Kick your feet up. Have fun, okay? But some of you have been coming for a while. Get on the team. Let's go. You need to, get on the, you need to come to one of the pastoral staff and say, hey, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play ball. I'd much rather play than be on the bench. It's just, it's just fun. And we celebrate the wins together. We celebrate 4,000 people on Easter together. We celebrate 2,500 people on Mother's Day together. We get to celebrate the people that get baptized and dunked together. You're like, well, I'm in the parking lot. That's awesome. I'm in the cafe. We're all celebrating those wins together. We're all part of that team. And so one thing I love about Christian Life Austin, we have three services. So I think you can come to one of those on Sunday morning, and you just get to consume and consume and consume. And then go to one or two others and then start distributing. Start distributing. Start, just If you love kids, go serve in our kids' ministry. Go teach some kids about the limitless love of Jesus. If you like ordering people around, then go in the parking lot. I, like, just find a place, right? <laughs> you go here, right? <laughs> right? Just find a place. Hit your neighbor say, find a place. Find a place. Just start serving. When we dismiss here tonight, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity before we head over to the gym, uh, the information center, right there to the left in the lobby, there's going to be just some forms, some volunteer registration forms. And I'd love for you to stop by there if you haven't served yet. Listen, it's, it's your own schedule. We have somebody that, that drives a golf cart in the parking lot one Sunday every month. And they fill the role, and they knock it out, every, and they do it with a smile on their face, and I love it. Listen, I, I don't want this to sound con- cocky or, or confident or arrogant, but Christian Life Austin is doing pretty good without you. But we'd be doing a whole lot better with you. And you'd be doing a whole lot better with it. So I just want you to get involved. Be a part of a team because we can celebrate what God's doing together. And God can use you. And he will use you. And that's part of that rewarding. I have people that tell me their favorite, time, their favorite service is the one they're serving and not the one they're attending. It's just fun to serve. And so we don't want to, if you don't like kids, don't sign up for the kids ministry, Okay. <laughs> They're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. Just don't. That's not good. We want, you, we want to plug you in your sweet spot. Where you're, listen, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 that you are the body of Christ. And each one of you are part of it. You're gifted in a way that I'm not gifted. And so we want to use you and put you into that sweet spot so that we can be a more complete body. So I want you to serve. I want you to serve. Serve. Jesus said it's the highest calling of a believer. He said that in Matthew 20, 26 through 28, he says, If you want to be great, whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, I want you to serve. It's the greatest calling. And uh, the value of your life is, 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 is all about helping someone else connect with Jesus. All right, here's number two. Another way that you can leverage your yellow for the longer piece, all right, give. I want you to start giving. I know this is where every, no, I, I said serve, half the, half the crowd clapped. I said give, it's like, 
wants you to give. Okay? Listen. I'm not even talking about money. If you've got money, then give money. I want you to give what you got. If you've got a smile, give your smile. If you've got encouragement, shed some of that on somebody. If you've got a warm embrace, then give one of those. Side hugs, okay? Those front hugs are a little awkward if I don't know you. All right? Just, just give it. Just whatever it is that you have, give it away. Your life, your life is not about how much you achieve or accumulate. It's about how much of it you give away. Let me say that again. Your life and your success of life is not about how much you achieve or accumulate. It's how much of your life you give away. And we are led by a pastor. I'm so thankful that he is the greatest giver of anybody I know. Would you agree with that? He is always giving. Every day he gives. And it's not always financial. Today he drove halfway across Texas to go visit people in the hospital. He's just always giving. And we follow him because he follows the example of Christ. We just got to be givers. So whatever you, whatever you give, just give. Whatever God gives you, just give it away. We have this thing. Uh, you can get these at the Information Center too. It's these little cards. We did this a few months ago. Go grab some more. But it says something extra to show God loves you. Something extra to show God loves you. So this is a chance for you to grab, go grab a whole handful of these things. And then you go through a Starbucks and, and, and you, you say, I want to pay for the person behind me. And when they get to the window, just tell them their coffee's paid for and give them this card. And they see this something extra to show God loves you. And that $4 Americana might bless them in, t- in such a way that they say, wow, like, God does love me. I mean, you should never know. I would grab a whole, listen, instead, when you go to a restaurant, instead of going, well, server, server, right, you say, how can I serve my server? I get to change, because again, we're not living for this. If we're living for this, then serve me. I want to be the king. But we got a king of kings. And I, I, like, I, I want to leverage this part for the longer piece. And I, like, I want to serve. And I want to give. And so just think, how can I, what, can, what can I give? You say, I don't have $4. I can't buy somebody a coffee. Do you have a smile? Show off them pearly whites, right? Whatever you've got, you give it away. Because I believe in part of that account with God, he's going to say, what'd you do with those teeth? What'd you do with them? What'd you do with them arms? Did you hug some people? What'd you do with your six bucks? I blessed you. What'd you and I'm not saying you have to give it all away. I'm just saying give. Give. And you'll be rewarded. In fact, Jesus himself said, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for you treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. He, he says, I want you to, so I'm going to reward you. You're going to get it back. Maybe not here, but you're going to get it back. Okay, I'm gonna t- I, I note everything that you do. I'm watching. Nobody else saw that. That lady didn't even get your license plate, but I, I got you. And I'm going to reward you. Just start giving. The last one, number three. Oh, by the way, let me just say this too on the giving. We got this thing called the One Campaign. This is a great opportunity for us to give above and beyond. It just is. Um, when, when we give, so like I give, when I, I got paid to, uh, yesterday, and so today, I, that was the first thing I did, I said I want to give. And so we have a percentage that comes out, and we just, this is what we decided to give, and so we're going to give this. And then I got the opportunity, the awesome opportunity to say I want to give above and beyond that, because I know that the church needs that to continue to run and, and fund the ministries that we're a part of and keep the lights blazing. So I'm not going to discredit this. I'm going to keep up with this, but I've got other things on my heart, and I'm like, like, I, I can sacrifice this for seven months. We're talking seven months. And I could delay buying that. And I could decrease the number of times I go to McDonald's. And I, I, I can, 
Maybe not that. Something else. I'll decrease something. But I want to give more. I want to give above and beyond to the one campaign because I know that I want to see more people reach with the kingdom of God through this house. And so, yeah. So I just give whatever you can give. Give. And if you don't have it, you don't have to give it. By the way, God's never going to ask you to give something you don't have. You understand that, right? But if you have it, He says, "I want you to give it." And number three is share Jesus. Here's the last one. Share Jesus. He said, I don't, I don't know how to share Jesus. You can invite him to church. Just say, hey, why don't you come sit with me at church? Come on, I'll buy you a breakfast taco. Let's go. You just never know. I mean, there's people in your circles of influence that are not in my circle of influence. And God has preeminently placed you in their life to be the fisher of persons on their behalf. And so I just, I just think that you can just start inviting friends, sharing Jesus with friends. I want to close with this story. I've shared this before and start here if you've been to start here. But... Um, I, when I moved to Austin, I worked at Papacito's Cantina on I-35 and waited tables. And uh, there was a young lady that I worked with named Amy. And Amy uh, was an atheist. And I was a dumb Christian in the sense that I just thought I could convince her. And just was just going to just, till I'm blue in the face, argue with her. And um, Amy was my friend. And uh, so we would talk nightly. A lot of times we'd have to close. And so we're, you know, taking the restaurant down. And so we just be talking at each other and um, so Amy one of the things she just no I don't believe it and her big hiccup honestly with the church was that pastors always talked about money they always want money and our pastor never talks about money he doesn't do it often um, but but I said that's that, most pastors really don't I, she's seen some televangelist or something I don't know and I said like you need to come to my church I promise it's not just come and check it I promise it's good and she just wouldn't come. And so finally one day I said, Amy, maybe you're right, and maybe I'm wrong. Try this. This is a good one. I said, maybe you're right. Maybe that there is no God, and we're going to die. I'm going to live my life for God, and you're going to live your life apart from God, and we're both going to die, and <laughs> we die. Like what? Worms come into it. Like, what, what ha- like nothing happens. But I said, just for a minute, just for a minute, imagine that I'm right and that you're wrong. And that there is a God, and there is a Jesus Christ, and he died for my sins, and he died for your sins. And by putting your faith in him, by giving your life to him, you have everlasting life in heaven. And if you don't, you have to pay for your own sins, and you spend eternity in hell. I said, is it worth coming to church one time to see if there's anything to this Jesus thing? And after months and months and months and months and months of inviting her, she said, okay, I'll go. I was so excited. Oh, it gets better. So, I, I, I worked in North Austin. I actually went to church in North Austin. This is before I found this incredible place. But So, I took her to my church, and, uh, and we're sitting there together. She had a little sundress on. I'll never forget it, and, and it for the rest of my life. And she's sitting there, and we're in praise and worship, and I'm like, full on, woo! And she's she just like this. You know, she's just stoic. I can't tell. She's not giving any, she's not singing. And so we sit down, and the pastor gets up and he goes, turn in your Bible to, I don't remember the passage, and he goes, today we're going to talk about stewardship. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, was, I was so mad. I'm literally in my chair going, you've got to be kidding me. I got, are you kidding? Like, you know, this is so hard. He never talks about money. <laughs> I was so mad. She's never coming back. And she's sitting there with her, with her arms crossed like this. And I'm like, ah. 
So literally the whole service, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done too. I'm, done. I'm leaving with her. I'm, I'm so mad. Like, I don't know if he listens to you, but he heard wrong. Or you told him wrong. Or something. I'm just mad about it the whole time. So I guess the end of the service, and the pastor gets up, and he gives a little gospel presentation at the end. And he says, if you'd like to accept Christ into your life, I want you to come down. And Amy was the first person to stand up and walk down that aisle. Yeah, you clap. I felt dumb. I, I'm so sorry. I'm so, I was like, you man, right? I was just like, <laughs> the, the message she least likely wanted to hear was the message that brought her salvation. And Amy today is married. She has two kids. She lives in Temple, Texas. She's still faithfully following Jesus Christ. I just say, share Jesus. Right? Am I living for this? Because that's awkward, right? Those are awkward. What if they reject me? What if they stop hanging out with me? You'll be dead soon anyway, right? This long. You ain't got long. What if, what if they came to church with you? What if? And then pastor comes up and he says, every head bow, every eye closed. You're like, <laughs> you're peeking because you're wanting to see what she's going to do, what he's going to do. And then they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, you will go down and say, that was the best church service I've ever been in in my entire life. Why? Because you love that person. You invested in that person. You shared Jesus with them. You shared Jesus' church with them. So I just say, share Jesus. Those are some ways that you can leverage the yellow part for the longer piece. Just say, God, I want to give. I want to serve. And I want to share you. Two questions. The first one, what did you do with my son Jesus? Well, I loved him. I made him a savior. I had a relationship with him. And the second question is, well, what did you do with the rest of your life? I gave you all these resources. What did you do with them? Well, I, I leveraged every part of that yellow piece of tape for the line, that longer piece. I, I, I knew this day was coming. And I want to leverage it for you, for your glory, for your kingdom, for your fame, for your renown. Here's what I love to do. We're done. We're done. We're going to dismiss. Give me three minutes, we're going to dismiss, and we're going to go celebrate these seniors. I want our prayer partners to come real fast, real fast, real fast. Prayer partners to come. If you're here, and you say, Reed, I, I need that. I need Jesus. Like, if, if I had that account, if the capital D day happened today, and I have to go face-to-face -face with God, I don't know if I've made that clear up to this point in my life. Let me just tell you, you can make that happen today. Like, it's, it's, it's a process, but it starts with the moment. There was a thief on the cross that says, hey, will you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. That guy hadn't lived for Christ his whole life, but the last moment he did. So we can make that moment start tonight where you say, okay, I want to give my life to Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Maybe to say, well, Reed, if I'm honest, I just, I've never really leveraged that yellow piece for the longer piece. I, I really want to start leveraging my life for his kingdom. And I'm going to start serving. I'm going to start giving. I'm going to start sharing Jesus. I'm going to start leveraging my life. I'm not saved by those things, but I do those things because I love what Jesus has done for me. Maybe there's a shift in here. Maybe there's something else. You just want prayer. That's what we're here for. Listen, we're not special people. We're just people that love you and want to pray for you. And so I want you to stand together. We're going to just worship just for a moment. And if that's you, if you say, I need Jesus, or I want to give more of my life to Jesus, won't you come? Won't you come? Let us pray for you. Let us pray for you.